a desert planet with twin suns. Why do I sense we've picked up another pathetic life form? Use my knowledge. Much to learn. You still Welcome back to Twin Sun Talks, folks. I'm your host, Jonah Lou. Thank you so much for listening. Man, does it feel good to dust off the old mic again. I feel like I've opened up every episode, like the last five episodes, with, sorry, I've been gone, but like this time I really have. I haven't put out an episode since February, and that wasn't even much of an episode. That was just saying, hey, I hope that I can put out more episodes soon. Um, but, y'all, a lot has happened. We had a whole season of Bad Batch. Um I thought that was good, um, good enough at least, better than the first season. Uh, Mando season three came out, thought that was pretty weak, if I'm being completely honest. And now we're almost done with Ahsoka, and I wanted to get some of my theories just under the wire before Ahsoka comes out. Um, when this is coming out, it'll be today, later today. Um, and uh, just because I've been talking with people, I'm like, I've been, I've had correct theories this entire time, but I don't feel like I can take credit for that because of the dang, like, I just, like, I, I don't have an audio record of it. So, gosh darn it, I guess I need to make a podcast episode. Um, but that being said, before I get into my theories, I just wanted to say, y'all, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling the itch. I'm feeling the need to podcast once again, but, uh, but I, I gotta be honest, I can't keep sustaining the same weekly episode release schedule that I used to have. I think that that was a little too overwhelming for me. I'm, if you don't know, a student in college, um, I have a lot of things on my plate and I want to make sure that I can allocate as much time and care to this type of stuff, um, that I do on the side for fun as I can because I want it to remain fun, um, because if you didn't know, I'm not making a ton of cash. I'm actually not making any cash off of this podcast. So, um, it, it's, it's important to me that it remains, uh, a fun thing. Um, and so I think that that, what that's going to look like moving forward is a monthly release schedule. Um, so I'm going to be putting out episodes once a month, but they are going to be, kind of like long-form audio essays about things that I'm really interested in. So think like my episodes 113, 114 over Anakin's Fall to the Dark Side, like that sort of like deep, nitty-gritty, deep-dive type stuff. And if I'm, I, I just, I feel like if my content is going to be the quality that I want it to be, then I need to be talking about stuff that I really, really want to talk about. And I apologize in advance if that's not stuff that you're overly interested in, but I do hope that you can find stuff in my content that you uh, find interesting. But I'm not entirely sure when I'm going to start uh, start that cycle. Uh, this is by no means going to be an overly long episode, um, but I, I wanted to get back in the swing of things. I wanted to set y'all's expectations before I start pumping out some new content and... Um, Wanted to wanted to give y'all my thoughts uh, right up against the the finale of Ahsoka releasing. So um, that being said, why don't we dive into visions? To continue, we need one singular vision. My vision. All right, y'all. Um, you know, I was I was gonna have notes, but the night kind of got away from me, and so we're not doing notes. We're doing it off the dome. 
The biggest, most pressing thing that I want to discuss is who the heck is Balin going after? What is he being called by? What like greater power is drawing him closer? I've seen a lot of great theories out there. Um, I think that the Abeloth theory is the most compelling that I've seen. Um, I don't think it's Abeloth, if I'm being completely honest. I think that it would be really cool if it was. If you are unfamiliar with who Abeloth is, Abeloth is um, the mother. If you're familiar with the Mortis gods, the father, the son, and the daughter, she is considered the mother, um, and she is super creepy and powerful. If you want to learn a little bit more about her, go back and listen to episode 130 of this podcast, Top 5 Spooky Things in Star Wars. But basically, her MO is she is like a master manipulator. She has mind powers, and she can essentially like send out a beacon to force users and beckon them to her until they're caught in her trap, as it were. And then she can unleash her mind powers on them and like absorb their essence or something like that um super creepy super cool but honestly i think that they're trying to set up thrawn as this big bad guy and i don't think that having someone like abeloth out there in the galaxy would help their case there i think that 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 would honestly undercut um thrawn's sort of imposing nature and I think that um, that's not something that they're trying to do. But there is something powerful enough out there that's making both the Great Mothers and Thrawn very eager to leave Peridia. So what do we? What do I think that is? Um, I've seen that the Forced Priestesses have been thrown around there too, or something of the same uh, caliber, sort of the Guardian of the Wills type um, creatures like we see in... Uh, Yoda's arc of the Clone Wars, where he goes to the Wellspring of Life to learn the secrets of immortality. Um, you know, I don't know that that's what it is either. I think that the most likely thing that it is, if I had to guess, is a unstable portal to the world between worlds. I think that that is the most likely answer. Because obviously at the Henge, which was created by Dathomiri Night Sisters. Um, there's some sort of opening portal to the world between worlds. So it stands to reason that the Night Sisters have the ability to tap into whatever that frequency is necessary to breach that plane and get to wherever the world between worlds is. And so I think that it's very possible that there's a portal on Peridia that has gone out of control. Um, and it's starting to consume the planet, basically. And I think that Balin is being drawn to that portal, if I'm being if I'm being real. I think that that is the power that he is seeking. But at the same time, I don't know. The Abeloth theory is is very compelling. And I think that if Abeloth was going to ever be introduced in Star Wars, I think that this show, would be the way to do it. And honestly, maybe, because I'm basing all my theories off of what I think that Dave Filoni's Mandoverse movie is going to be about, and I think that that's going to be sort of a new age heir to the Empire type thing where Thrawn comes back, starts wreaking havoc, and you need this like Avengers type team of all these Star Wars heroes to unite between Mando, Bo-Katan, Boba Fett, 
Luke Skywalker, Ahsoka, Ezra, Sabine, Hera, and you just get this like great lineup of heroes, and um, they all have to team up to to defeat Thrawn. Maybe, maybe Thrawn has to be in that lineup too, and they're all having to team up against Abeloth. I don't know, man. Maybe maybe Thrawn's a, a freaking red herring. That would be wild because honestly. With all the tie-ins to the Mortis gods and the world between worlds, Abeloth wouldn't be a, a far cry from a possibility, in my opinion. The only th- reason that I think that it's not likely is because she would overshadow Thrawn so much. But maybe that's, that's Filoni's way of turning Thrawn into an ally. I don't know. Um, but... That being said, I think the most likely thing is that it's some sort of connection to the world between worlds just because of the imagery surrounding the show about the world between worlds and um, obviously all the stuff with Anakin that we've seen in previous episodes. I think that is probably the most likely thing that um, Balin is being drawn to. Um, I'm trying to think of what else. That was the main That was the main thing that I wanted to discuss, if I'm being fully honest. Um, what do I think is up with Ezra? I don't know. I feel I'm getting a weird vibe from Ezra. I'm getting a weird, weird vibe. And I do also find it very curious that Ezra evaded Thrawn for what has been, and who knows how long it's been on Peridia. Like, we don't know how much time has passed and how time passes, like, all the interstellar logic. But I think that it seems like Star Wars kind of adheres to a more linear and not so abstract methodology of dealing with time because it seems like the same amount of time passes regardless of where you are in the star wars galaxy so i don't think that they would change that moving to a new galaxy um so it can stand to reason that he's been there for close to a decade at this point um if we're talking the battle of lothal happened like right pretty pretty close to a New Hope, let's say like a year or two before, I, if I'm getting the timeline mixed up, forgive me, um, then the events of the original trilogy happen over the span of around five years, and then you tack on another five years uh, to get to where we are in the timeline um, regarding the Mandoverse. I, and I, it might, maybe it honestly might be closer to two decades um, now that I'm doing the math. Yeah, I think it's closer to like 16, 17 years. So I don't I don't know that there's any way that Thrawn couldn't figure out a way to locate Ezra on Peridia in that amount of time. So maybe Ezra is some sort of apparition from the Great Mothers. I don't know. I think that that's an interesting, interesting theory because it's, I don't know that that's, too far of a I don't know it's I I, like it could just be a red herring to like keep Sabine and Ahsoka occupied but I think I think that Ahsoka would have would have sensed that I think that yeah Ezra's probably real I don't know but I I am interested to see whether or not he has some dark side in him because he's kind of acting all hippy dippy but I think that there's possibility that he's. I mean, we 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 see in Rebels that he likes to, to to dabble in the dark side a little bit. So, 
I don't know. Um, last, I don't know if this is going to be the last thing. I don't want to promise that. Um, do I think that Sabine is going to end up using the Force, like, in actuality, in, like, a telekinetic way? I sure hope not. I think that they should really stick to their guns on the Sabine needs to be exactly who she should be and not who I don't know. She shouldn't use the force is my point, but I'm so concerned because she keeps like doing like putting her hand out and doing the force thing. And then something convenient stops her from actually, um, doing doing the force that i just i'm i'm scared that they're building to her actually using the force but in feloni i trust i don't think that he would do something like that but maybe he would i don't know i just hope that it's done tastefully if it is but i don't know that that's possible because i just really don't want it to happen <sighs> i don't know i don't know um so hope sabine doesn't use the force she might I feel like narratively it would make sense for her to in this last episode. I feel like we've been building to that. However, I don't I don't think I would be a huge fan of that happening because I think that that just kind of I don't know. I'm going to rant for a little bit too cuz why do, why does Disney keep stabbing characters that live anyways? That cheapens everything. And don't tell me that they stabbed her in the side. Lightsabers are it's a beam of energy that's going through your body, even if it's not going through your vital organs. It's cauterizing everything in its path. There's no way it doesn't like just sever blood vessels that are necessary for your survival, even if it doesn't cause immediate death. And even if you got the Bacta and everything, there ain't no way that you're surviving up being run through by a lightsaber through your lower abdomen, even if it is to the side. Like, come on. Come on. Like, I just feel like it cheapens the death of people like Qui-Gon when you have Kylo Ren, you have the Grand Inquisitor, you got Reva, you got Reva like three times over, you got Sabine. All these people who survived getting stabbed, and I know that I know that the Grand Inquisitor is a pal and they got two stomachs, yada yada yada. Reva, there's no reason that Reva should have survived getting stabbed twice. She no, there's no reason. Kylo, I understand he got force healed. Don't get me started on the Rise of Skywalker. But I just, we need to stop stabbing people. I think that Sabine should have lost a hand, if anything. I think that that would have been a much more impactful way for her to learn her lesson that she's not ready. And that's like a permanent reminder of the fact that she's not ready and something that can kind of motivate her moving forward. Um I guess the last theory, I've seen a lot of people thinking that Ahsoka's going to die. They're not going to kill Ahsoka, man. Not in this. Not in her own show. I think that potentially in the movie, that could be the end to Ahsoka's Ahsoka's legacy. I think that that could be, like, the one, the Dave Filoni's first live-action movie, when his first, uh, I don't want to say first, when his first Star Wars project was the animated Clone Wars movie that brought in Ahsoka to canon, and then his first live-action movie is Ahsoka's death. I mean, come on, that would be poetic as heck. So, yeah, I think that if she's going to die in any of these projects, it's probably going to be in Filoni's movie and not in her own TV show. But I do, I just, you know, I love this show so far. It's been such a banger. It's It's been exactly what I need, and I'm so excited every week to watch it. 
Um, Tuesdays are my lightest day of the week, so I just get to curl up in my room, turn off all the lights, and feel like a kid for 40 minutes. And it's just it's just such a lovely time. Um, I don't know how much of this was actual theories because I'm I, I got I y'all, I'm I'm a little rusty. I feel like I've rambled a bit, but what's new? Um, this has been ended up being a lot longer than I expected it to be. But um hey, this wouldn't be a proper episode if I didn't leave you with just a little bit more. Alright, so in the Clone Wars, when Ahsoka was younger, and you see this on other Togruta like Shock T, she wears a headpiece that is made from the teeth of a creature called an Akul. Um, and they, they, the Togruta, um, gain this headpiece by single handedly defeating one of the Akul, which are like apex predators on the Togruta homeworld in combat. And, uh, Ahsoka actually didn't defeat an Akul in combat. She tamed it and befriended it using the Force and had it return her to her village whenever she was lost as a child. That's actually in the first episode of the Tales of the Jedi show, um, season one. That's that's out currently. But, um, yeah, those are the little triangle pieces that you see uh, in her early days of the Clone Wars. Whenever she leaves the Jedi... Um, they, they go away. But I just thought that, that was an interesting thing. Um, all right. This is the end of my first episode back. Um, it was a lot longer. It's very late slash early. And uh, I need to go to bed. But um, let's see if I remember how to do this outro. Uh, all right, guys. Make sure to like and share this episode if you have already. If you're new here, uh, make sure to follow us. Uh, Oh, see, I'm already, I'm already messing up. Uh, but um, if you haven't already, make sure to um, follow and listen Twin Sun Talks wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, if you want to find us on YouTube, we are Twin Sun Talks Podcast, and make sure to follow us on Instagram at Twin Sun Talks. Um, yeah, thank y'all for sticking with me, and uh, can't wait to start pumping out more content for y'all. Um, until the next time you've taken your first steps into a larger world, may the force be with you and I will see y'all in the next episode. Bye friends.